You're listening to Elk Point Baptist Church. Subscribe to our podcast to hear every sermon and like us on Facebook by searching Elk Point Baptist Church, located in Elk Point, South Dakota. Amen. That was a great song, wasn't it? Amen. That was, that was some good singing. I like that a lot. It's good to be here at Elk Point Baptist Church preaching, filling in for um, Pastor Jesse this morning and... Um, just the prayers uh, have been working with him and uh, them going up to North Carolina after the passing of his dad. Um, he was able to preach the memorial service like we said, and the Lord moved in a mighty way, which is just such a blessing. And uh, Melanie should be coming home uh, later today, and then hopefully Jesse and Natalie, I think tomorrow or something like that. So just be in prayers for them. But it's really good to be here. I, I love to sit here and just hear the preaching. That's what I love most um, and listen to our man of God. But um, whenever I get the opportunity to preach, I get excited. And um, I believe this is the message that the Lord would have me to preach this morning. We're going to be in the book of Psalms today. And Psalm number one, the first Psalm. And the book of Psalms is a great book, one of the most beloved books in the Bible. A lot of different people have found comforts and encouragements from the Psalms. It has been called the heart of the Bible by one theologian. The Bible within the Bible by another. Because there is so much power and so much truth and so much sound doctrine in this 150 Psalm book. And it's interesting, this book was actually the national hymn book for the Israelites. So, like, we have a hymn book that we read out of. This was their national hymn book. And the term psalms in the Hebrew actually means praises. So this was a praise book. And we see that throughout the psalms. Every single psalm brings us a praise to the Lord. And we can find comfort in that. The psalms touch all the notes in the keyboard of human emotion. It stirs your hearts in every which way. And it's amazing. It is to this book we turn for these matchless words. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. It's the Psalms to which we go to find an expression of the longing of the human heart for God. For we read in the 42nd Psalm, As a heart panteth after the water brooks, so panteth my soul after thee, O God. When it comes to remorseful repentance, there is nothing quite as powerful as the 51st Psalm, as David pours out his heart in anguish to God and cries, Against thee, thee only, have I sinned. And when it comes to the joy of the forgiveness of sins, nothing gives as much meaning as that which David used as he wrote. As far as from the east is from the west, so far hath he removed our transgressions from us. You see, the book of Psalms is a great book. Every single psalm in here is important. It can speak to our hearts. But I believe that there isn't a more important psalm than the first psalm. Because the first psalm serves as an introduction to the 150 psalm book. It's like a preface, helping us understand what the rest of the psalms are going to convey. And that's what we see here in Psalm 1, the first psalm. You see, in this story we see two classes of people. The godly and the ungodly. We see the way of the righteous man and the way of the wicked man. The way to blessing and the way to cursing. This psalm is the psalm of happiness. It's been called the how to be blessed psalm and the how to be happy psalm. For many years, Psalm 1 was known as our nation's psalm because it was George Washington's favorite psalm. 
And it's just interesting what he would do before every single battle, he would ask a preacher to read out of Psalm 1 and to preach on the blessed man, to preach on this godly man, because he believes that if we follow the truth of Psalm 1, we would be one nation under God and we would prosper. And that's what we're seeing here in the book of Psalms, Psalm 1. Look with me if you would. The Bible says, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water, that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. The ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind driveth away. Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgments, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. Let's pray. Dearly Father, Lord, I thank you so much for this day, Lord. Thank you so much for saving my soul and bringing us here today and giving me the opportunity to preach this morning. Lord, I ask that you take away every ounce of selfishness, every ounce of me in this message whatsoever. Help me hide behind the cross of Christ and help me speak. Thus saith the Lord, speak through me this day. Open up our hearts for the message. Um, save someone who's not saved, Lord. Work on their hearts and just move in a mighty way this morning, Lord. I love you so much. You're my best friend, my Savior, my King, my everything, Lord. And I say these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, I've been blessed to be raised in a good, godly home for most of my life. And it's been a blessing. I've been raised in church since I can remember. I've been saved at a young age. I've been saved for about 17 years now. And so I've had the opportunity to be a part of many different churches, sit on many different church services. And now that I'm older, I've been able to um, preach and fill in for pastors who are on vacation, who are, aren't there. And um, for the last year and a half or so, I've been able to fill in and um, go to many different churches of all shapes and sizes, small churches, storefronts, Big churches, old churches, different churches of, of ethnicity, and I've been a part of many different churches. And it's always been a blessing and an encouragement when I go and be a part of those services. But there's one thing that does discourage me when I am sitting here at a service or when I'm preaching at a service or basically whenever I go to a church service. Because there is always that one person... Or a couple of people, it doesn't matter, but there's always that one person who are saved, blood-bought, blood-washed, born-again believers. They know the Bible. They know the Word of God. They know the promises of God and the riches, but they're unhappy. And they don't have joy. And you see, that boggles my mind. Because when you read this book and you realize the riches of God and the promises that God has bestowed upon his children, man, there's nothing that you can do but rejoice and be happy. But the same people that are deacons in the church, that are grounded in the word of God and they don't miss a service, they go to visitation, they pass out gospel tracts, they do everything right, but they don't have the joy of the Lord. That boggles my mind. But that's been a problem since the beginning of time. We see it all throughout the scriptures. In the book of Philippians, the book of Philippians was written to the church at Philippi because they lost their joy. And we see here in the book of Psalms the same thing. You see, the book of Psalms lays out and breaks down how everyone can be happy. And I think that's something that we all want, right? How everyone can be happy. How every saved person can be happy. Psalm 1 is the playbook for happiness. 
And so what Psalm 1 emphasizes is it emphasizes this blessed man. He says, blessed is the man, and then he lays out what this blessed man does and why he is happy. And that's what we see here in Psalm 1. And I'm telling you, hopefully, Lord willing, by the end of this message, we can all know how to be happy and be happy and walk out of here with a joy in our hearts, the joy in the, of the Lord and the happiness in our step, uh, all of those things that we want to have. Amen. So we see that here in the book of Psalms. Notice, first off, it says, blessed is the man in Psalm 1.1. The word in the Hebrew is actually translated happy. So that would be happy is the man. And... He says, happy is the man that does these things. And he lays it out in these six verses. But it's interesting, in the Hebrew, it says, happy is the man, but it's actually in the plural sense. It's written twice. So it's actually saying, happy, happy is the man that does these things. And when you read the scriptures, whenever um, you see the word twice mentioned in the Bible, it's for emphasis. You see it in the New Testament a lot. Jesus will say, verily, verily, or truly, truly, I say unto thee. And it's for emphasis. Say So basically, what's better than happy? Happy, happy. Amen? Oh, how very happy is the man that does these things. And then what the psalmist does is he lays out why this blessed man, why this joyful man is happy and is experiencing that joy unspeakable and full of glory. And hopefully, Lord willing, by the end of this message, we can learn these truths, learn these things that we all can obtain. If you're saved by the grace of God, you can have this joy. You can be all how very happy, just like this blessed man is in Psalm chapter 1. And when we read these verses, we find out that the blessed man is happy for four reasons. For four reasons. Number one, the blessed man is happy because he does not believe like the ungodly. Look at verse 1 again. The Bible says, Blessed is the man... That walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seats of the scornful. So he says, happy is the man that does not take counsel in the ungodly. Now when we think of the word ungodly, we think of the most wicked sinner, right? When you think of the term ungodly, you think of someone who, man, is just an awful, no good, rotten sinner. He's wicked, he's terrible, he's worthless. That's what we think of, but that's not the case. You see, being ungodly does not mean the most wicked sinner possible. Being ungodly just means not like God. Ungodly just means doing life without God. There's good people who are ungodly. There's good people at Elk Point Baptist that may be ungodly. There's good people in this city that are ungodly because they're just doing life without God. And so what he says is, blessed is the man, happy is the man that does not take counsel in the people that are doing life without God. Now, counsel of the ungodly just means man-centered thinking and man-centered living. Counsel of the godly, God-centered thinking and God-centered living. And he says, blessed is the man that does not take advice in people and people that are doing life without God and are revolving around the things of this world, are giving you man-centered thinking and man-centered living advice. He said, blessed is the man, happy is the man that does not take that advice, that does not believe like the people of this world. Because the ungodly, they don't have any hope. They don't have any peace. They don't have any joy in this world. But we've got hope. The book of Ecclesiastes highlights the man that does life through man-centered thinking. You read the book of Ecclesiastes written by Solomon, and it was written under the sun. It was written 
through life without God, through an ungodly um, perspective of life. The key word in the book of Ecclesiastes is the word vanity. Worthless, futile, like a vapor, it just fadeth away. That word vanity is used 36 times in the book of Ecclesiastes. The key verse there is Ecclesiastes chapter 1 verse 2. Vanity of vanities, saith the preacher, all is vanity. You see, that is what the ungodly has. They've got no hope, they've got no peace, and they've got no purpose. But the reason why this blessed man is happy is because, number one, he does not have to, and he does not believe like the ungodly. You see, you're going to have people in this world, people that are not saved, people that are atheists and don't believe in God, that are going to give you life through the eyes of man, saying there's no hope, there's no reason for living, there's nothing in this world that can bring joy, there's nothing in this world that can bring purpose, but for us, we know in whom we have believed, amen. And we believe the things of God. We know that Jesus Christ saved our soul by the blood that he shed at Calvary. We know that we are blood-bought, born-again believers, and we've got our Father living inside of us. We've got Jesus Christ, that friend that sticketh closer than a brother, that best friend that we can go to and talk to on a daily basis. Hey, I'm happy because I don't have to believe like them. I know in whom I have believed. The Bible says in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 12, that we need to be persuaded. The Bible says, for I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. You see, the blessed man believes that God is able and therefore he's happy. There's going to be a lot of people in this world that are going to try to take away your joy and give you man-centered thinking and try to bring you down. But we need to remember Romans chapter 3 verse 4 says, the Bible says, let God be true, but every man a liar. God's word is true. You know that all things work together for good to those that love God and to those that are the called according to his purpose. So when things go wrong in your life and there are people that are giving you bad advice saying, man, look at the things around you, the situation, the circumstances. We can say, I know my God is able, amen, to bring me through. And I know that I am more than a conqueror through his love. You see, that's why the blessed man was happy. Number one, he was blessed because he did not believe like the ungodly. But then number two, we see that this blessed man is happy because he not only doesn't believe like the ungodly, but he does not behave like the ungodly as well. Look at verse number two. The Bible says, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. Now in that verse, that's referring to the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible, that word law there. But you study the word law throughout scripture and you realize that it has a broader meaning and it's referring to the entire Bible from Genesis to Revelation. It's referring to the scriptures, the word of God. And right there we're seeing that this blessed man finds delight, finds happiness, finds joy in God's word. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. You see, the blessed man not only finds happiness because he doesn't believe like the ungodly, but because he does not behave like the ungodly either. The ungodly... They're not going to find joy in reading God's word. They think it's ridiculous that we're reading this book. And what they do is they try to find happiness and joy and drugs and alcohol and our sexual immorality, all those things, trying to catch that next high and trying to find joy in the things of this world. But we know that that doesn't bring happiness, and we know that we can have true happiness in the word of God. You see, this blessed man, he has joy in reading the Bible. And we see that in three ways in verse 2. We see it in his delights. We see it in his desire, and we see it 
in his devotion. Look at verse 2 once again. It says, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. Notice his delight in the word. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. I looked at that word delight in the dictionary, and it means a high degree of pleasure or satisfaction of minds or joy. A high degree of pleasure in reading the word of God. Let me ask you something. Do you have pleasure in reading God's word? Are you reading it out of duty or are you reading it out of delight? Because if you're reading it out of duty, that's not going to bring happiness. But if you're reading it out of delight, man, you're going to have joy unspeakable and full of glory. We've got to realize what this book is. This is the word of God. This is the Bible, amen. The creator of the universe. The creator of the world, the God that loves you so much that he knows the number of hairs on your head, that God wrote this message to us. He wrote this message to his sons and daughters. And if you are saved by the grace of God, the Bible says that you are a child of God, and this message is written to you. This is God's message for you. In this book, we see the playbook of life, the playbook of righteousness, the playbook to live a righteous, holy, awesome, victorious life for the Lord. That's something to delight in. That's something to get excited about. But what a lot of us do is we, we read this book. We try reading it out of duty because we think it's going to help us or um, we know we have to. And we start getting distracted, right? Have you ever done that before? You start reading this Bible and then you start thinking about what's for lunch the next day or thinking about the Chicago Bears playing the Raiders in London today at noon or something like that. Have you ever had that before? We deal with distraction a lot. But I'm telling you, distraction can be overcome with delights. If you truly take a second to realize what we have in our possession, this is the word of God, amen. This is the light of God. This is the hope of God. This is the peace of God, amen. If we realize that and take a hold of it, man, the Lord can work in mighty ways in our life. He can bring us true happiness. And that's why this blessed man was happy. He delighted in the word of God. So we see his delight in the word. Not only that, but notice his desire for the word as well. But in his but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate. His desire for the word. He meditates on the word of God. Now meditation is the idea of a tune that you just can't get out of your minds. Have you ever had that before? You get a song stuck in your head and you can't for the life of you get it out of your head, no matter how hard you try. That's the idea of meditation. We need to be so ingrained with the word of God, mulling it over, over and over and over again, that we just can't get it out of our mind. It's a tune that's just in our head playing over and over and over again. The word meditate there in Psalm 1 gives the idea of a musician plucking the strings of a harp. That beautiful sound, the musician plucking the harp, plucking those notes over and over and over again, those same notes, playing that sweet sound over and over again. That's the way we need to be with God's word. We need to get excited about the word of God. Those verses that comfort you in your life, those verses that you share on Facebook or that daily verse of the day that speaks to you, meditate on it. Mull it over in your life. Don't just look at it and be like, man, that's a good verse. I'm going to share that and not think about it again. No, we're supposed to meditate on the word of God. I'm telling you, once you do that, once you realize that this message is for you, amen, there are promises in this book for us. If you are saved by the grace of God, there are riches, there are promises, there are things that you can open up this book and realize, and man, be amazed by just how much God loves you. 
So meditate on those verses that are for you. Claim those as your own. There are some verses in this book, man, that I cling to, amen. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 3, verses 20 and 21, Now to him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think, amen. God is able to do exceeding abundantly above what we pray for or even what we think. His thoughts are above our thoughts, and he does exceeding abundantly above all that we ask. Mull that over, meditate on it. Hey, hey, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 57, But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through Jesus Christ our Lord. Hey, the Bible says we've got the victory in Jesus Christ. We are more than conquerors through his love. In Jude 25, the Bible says, Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling, but to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. Hey, there's some verses that you can claim as your own. Meditate on it and play that sweet sound over and over and over again. Because God has given us this blessed book and this blessed song that we can cling to. And I'm telling you, oh man, I'm telling you, once you start to play that sweet sound, that sweet verse over and over in your head, pretty soon you're going to start realizing just how much your God loves you, just how big your God is, and just how small your problems are. He will bring you that joy that you're searching for. That's what the blessed man had. He had delight in the word. He had a desire for the word. And then number three, notice his devotion to the word. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. You see, this is something the blessed man did every single day. First thing in the morning, last thing at night. He meditated, he delighted without ceasing. Not just when he was feeling good. Not just when he was happy, but every single day, regardless of the circumstance, regardless of the trials that he was going through, he meditated and he delighted in his God. No matter what happened, no matter how down he was or how discouraged he was in this world, he could find delight in one thing, and that was the word of God and the promises of God. And that's the same thing we need to be as well. He was devoted to this book. But you see, a lot of us are roller coaster Christians. When things are going good in our life, man, we are happy. We like to come to church, man. We like to read this book and listen to messages. But then when things start going bad in our life, we start missing church services. We stop reading the book. We stop finding joy in the book. And then pretty soon we've lost the joy of the Lord. And we're on the path of unrighteousness. But when you are devoted to the word of God... Regardless of the situation in your life, you can be happy. This blessed man, he was dedicated to loving the Lord his God with all of his hearts, all of his soul, and all of his minds. And so he was blessed. So this blessed man, he was happy so far for two reasons. He did not believe like the ungodly, and he could rejoice about that fact. He did not behave like the ungodly, and he was happy about that. But then number three, he was happy because he does not blow away like the ungodly. Look at verses 3 and 4. The Bible says, And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water, that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. The ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind driveth away. So in the, these verses, we see the difference between the godly and the ungodly. The godly, because he delighted in the word of God, he was blessed. But the ungodly... Is blown away. Doing life without God, blown away. Verse 4 The ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind drives away. 
Now, chaff is that unwanted part of the grain that is light and easily blown away by the winds. The picture there is first off of this blessed man that is rooted and planted, but the ungodly just as the chaff, the unwanted light grain that is just blown away by the winds. The ungodly are blown away. Charles Spurgeon, this was his definition of the ungodly chaff. It means worthless, dead, unserviceable, without substance, and easily carried away. That's what the ungodly are. They go from one thing to another. They aren't confident in anything. And pretty soon they are going to perish. They are blown away. But the reason why this blessed man is happy is not because of the ungodly being blown away, but because of what 3 says. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. So in those two verses, we see that the ungodly are blown away, but the godly are blessed. Blessed by God's word. You see, because this blessed man found joy in the Bible, delighted in it, had a desire for it, and was devoted to it, he experienced blessing in every single aspect of his life. Every single one. Because of God's word and because he delighted in this book and made time for it. And there's four things I want to look at, four points that he was blessed by from God's word. Notice he experienced this blessed man had strength from God's word. He had strength from the word of God. Verse 3 says, and he shall be like a tree planted. A tree is a picture of a man in this psalm. He shall be like a tree planted. Just as a tree is nourished by constant supplies of water, so the strength of a godly man is maintained by the supplies of grace and truth that are drawn from the word of God. So because he delighted in God's word, man, he was strong. He was confident. He was immovable. He had strength from God's word. Not only that, but we also find out that he had stability from God's word as well. And he shall be like a tree planted, strong. But then it says, by the rivers of water. You see, he's stable as well. Now you read the scriptures and you soon find out that water is the type of a word of the word of God. If standing still, it's the type of the word of God. And a type of the Holy Spirit when it's moving or when it's running. So that's a picture of the word of God and the Holy Spirit's. Being planted by the rivers of water gives the idea of being rooted and grounded in love and secured firmly in the word of God. You see, it's not a picture of a tree being placed in the desert, but this tree was planted firmly by the rivers of water. Firmly by the word of God, God and the Holy Spirit is making it stable, giving him confidence. He's immovable when the storm comes. He's immovable regardless of the circumstances, but he's, because he's constantly being nourished by the word of God. He's stable. He's strong. But number three, the other blessing that he experienced from God's word is he experienced satisfaction as well. He had satisfaction from God's word. It says planted by the rivers of water. Not planted by the river of water, but by the rivers. That term is plural, meaning that it's continual nourishments. This tree is just not nourished once or watered once. This tree is continually nourished and experiencing strength from the rivers. Now that's a picture of the word of God and the Holy Spirit. The Bible, just like the rivers of water continually nourishing that tree, will continually leave you satisfied through the Holy Spirit. 
You know, a lot of times we, we get encouragement and we, we get joy from reading this book, but then we think that it's past and, or sometimes we, we won't get something out of it. But I'm telling you, no matter what, if you take time out of your day walking in the Holy Spirit and you read this book, the Holy Spirit will always speak to you. You can read the same verse a hundred different times and the Holy Spirit can speak to you in a hundred different ways. Amen. He will continually leave you satisfied and nourished no matter the situation or no matter the circumstance because those rivers are plural. You will be nourished in many different ways. You will experience rivers of love, rivers of joy, rivers of mercy, rivers of promise, rivers of hope, rivers of peace, rivers of glory, and rivers of living water. Amen. I'm telling you, you can find joy from reading the Word of God. And it may be difficult to make time for it. You may think that it's hard. But if you just take a second to realize what this book is, what God has done for you, man, it's going to motivate you. You're going to be delighted in it. And because of that, not only are you going to be delighted in that, not only are you going to be happy because of that, but you're also going to prosper. Amen. You are going to be blessed by reading the Word of God. He experienced strength. He experienced stability. He experienced satisfaction. But then number four, he also experienced success. This blessed man experienced success from God's word. Look at the whole verse in verse three. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. It says that He'll bring it forth fruit in his season. You see, the blessed man, because he reads the word of God, he bears fruits. A tray who preached uh, or did a Sunday school message on bearing fruit it was a great message on the love of the Lord. But the blessed man that is grounded in the word of God, he will prosper and he will bear fruits. Now, bearing fruit is used in two senses in the Bible. It's referring to, one, the fruits of the spirits. Bearing that fruit on living a, a righteous life for the Lord and being like Jesus Christ. And it's also referring to winning souls, leading souls to Christ. And that's what this blessed man did. He experienced fruit bearing in both ways. He bare fruits, he bore fruits physically speaking, and he bore fruit spiritually speaking. Notice the physically speaking. This, this blessed man bore fruits spiritually and physically speaking. Physically speaking, number one, he led souls to Christ. Because, think about this now, he was happy already in three ways. We haven't even got to the fourth way yet. This man was happy in three ways. He was happy, he believed God, he behaved in the way that God wanted him to behave. Man, he didn't blow away when circumstances were bad. He could withstand every trial that happened, everything that was stacked against him. Man, he had a good testimony, right? He had a great testimony. Better testimony than I've ever had. But because he had a good testimony, and because, man, whenever trials came his way, he had joy. He believed his God. Man, he, he was rooted. He was confident. He was immovable. Because of that, people looked at this blessed man and thought to themselves, man, I want what that guy has. I want what that guy has. And therefore, they got saved. You see, he bore fruit, physically speaking. He led souls to Christ. He was a great soul winner. Bearing fruit and soul winning go hand in hand. We see that in Proverbs chapter 11, verse 30. The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, and he that winneth souls is wise. This blessed man was successful, he was wise, and he bore fruit physically speaking. But not only that, he bore fruit spiritually speaking as well. You see, this blessed man exemplified all nine traits of the fruit of the spirits. 
And that's something that we can all have. If you are saved by the grace of God today, you've got the Holy Spirit living inside of you, and you can have access to all nine traits of the fruit of the spirits. You can have it. If you're walking in the Spirit, you will experience those nine traits. And that we find that in Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. The Bible says, But the fruit of the spirits is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, and temperance. And this blessed man had all nine characteristics of that. Man, do you want love in your life? Do you want joy? Do you you want peace? Patience? Do you want gentleness? Goodness? Do you want all of those things that you're longing for, that people in this world want without a shadow of a doubt? Man, they want it so bad. I'm telling you, we have that if we're walking in the spirits and we're following this book. We're following the playbook of Psalm 1. He not only was leading souls to Christ, but he had peace, joy, love, long-suffering, all fruits of the spirits. Man, that's something that we all long for. That's something that we all want to have. And we can have that by following this playbook of happiness. This man experienced success from God's word. So he was happy in three ways so far. He did not believe like the ungodly. He was confident in his God. He did not behave like the ungodly. He found happiness in God's word. He did not blow away like the ungodly. He was rooted and grounded in the word of God and immovable. But number four, this blessed man was happy because, number four, he does not belong with the ungodly. Look at verses five and six. The Bible says, Therefore, the ungodly shall not stand in the judgments, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous... But the way of the ungodly shall perish. So in those verses we see that the ungodly will perish, but the godly will prosper. In those verses we see that the blessed man, the people who are saved by the grace of God, are on our way to heaven. Amen. Hey, if you put your trust in Jesus Christ, you are on your way to glory. You are going to spend eternity with our beloved Savior. Amen. The Bible says in John chapter 14 that we've got a mansion. Amen. That's something to rejoice about. That's something to get excited about. No matter what is going on in your life, you can get happy about that. Are you saved? Rejoice about that fact. Are you on your way to heaven? Hey, let's say hallelujah about that because we have true happiness we've got true joy no matter the circumstances the ungodly people in this world they are going to perish but in this world for us we are going to prosper spiritually and one day we are going to prosper physically speaking in heaven as well that's something to get excited about we are going to heaven for eternity there is nothing we can do to lose our salvation i want you to think about that now think about just how much jesus christ loves you that he loves you so much that he died on the cross for your sins. Die for every single one of your sins. The sins that you've already committed, the sins that you're going to commit, it does not matter. He died on the cross for all of them. That's how much he loves you. Not only that, but he wants you to prosper in this world. Not only that, but he's going to have you prosper in heaven. Not only that, but you've got a mansion in heaven. Amen. We do not belong with the ungodly. That's something to get excited about. That's why that blessed man was happy. He was happy because he does not believe like the ungodly. He does not behave like the ungodly. He does not blow away like the ungodly. And he does not belong with the ungodly. I tell you, though, this is easy preaching, but it's, it's hard living. It's hard to be happy all the time. It's hard to have that joy of the Lord. It's hard to always delight in the word of God. We've got spiritual warfare. We've got tough situations ahead of us. It's hard, man. It's hard to follow this playbook, but we need to remember 
where our strength lies. Let me close with this story. Harry Ironside, the Bible teacher, told of a visit to Palestine years ago by a man named Joseph Flax. Now this man, Flax, had an opportunity to address a gathering of Jews, and he decided to speak on Psalm 1. He read it and then asked the question, Who is this blessed man of whom the psalmist speaks? This man never walked in the counsel of the ungodly, or stood in the way of sinners, or sat in the seat of the scornful. He was an absolutely sinless man. Who was this blessed man? Nobody spoke, so Flack got explicit. Was he our great father Abraham? One old man said, no, it, it cannot be Abraham. He denied his wife and told a lie about her. Well, how about the lawgiver Moses? No, someone said, it cannot be Moses. He killed the man and he lost his temper. Flack then suggested David, but they all agreed that it was not David. There was silence for a long while. Then an old elderly woman arose and said, My brothers, I have a little book here. It is called the New Testament. I have been reading it, and if I could believe this book, if I could be sure that it is true, I would say that that man of the first psalm was Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus is that man, of course. He is the only perfect man who ever lives. And he is the savior of the world. It is he who stands at the portal of this book to show us the way to live and to help us do it. You see, we need to remember where our strength lies. Our strength lies in Jesus Christ and him alone. He is the only way to happiness. And he is the only way to heaven. You look at verse 6 once again. For the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous. But he closes out with this. But the way of the ungodly shall perish. You see right here we see there are only two ways. There is the way of the cross. The way that leads by Calvary to glory. And there is the way of the curse. The broad way that leads to a lost eternity. But you can choose your way to blessing. Choose happiness. Choose heaven. Choose him, Jesus Christ, that died for you. I'm telling you, if you are not saved today, you will never have this joy of the Lord. You will never have true happiness in your life. But the Bible says in Romans chapter 10, verse 13, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. If you call upon the name of the Lord, you will be saved and you can experience this true joy. And for the people who are saved... And feel like they've lost that joy of the Lord. Lost that happiness that they once had. You can have it just like that. Delight in the word of God. Follow the playbook. And realize that we can be happy if we don't believe, behave, or belong with the ungodly. Let's all stand with every head bowed, every eye closed. You need to come to the altar today. Have you lost the joy of the Lord? In your hearts. We can all obtain that happiness if we're saved. By this book. No matter the trials. No matter the circumstances. We've got something that the ungodly don't have. We've got the joy of the Lord. Down deep in our hearts. We've got the Holy Spirit. You can get right to that. You can choose your way to blessing. And if you are not saved today. 
If you are not 100% sure that you are on your way to heaven, that if you would die today, you would wake up with Jesus Christ in glory, then you need to come. It's only going to get worse in this world. The ungodly will perish, but the godly will prosper. This altar's open while the others are praying. If the Lord's working on your hearts, I pray, I plead with you, don't fight it. Come today. You can put your trust in Jesus Christ and live that righteous life for the Lord. Live the plan that God has in store for you. He loves you so much that he died for you. Not only did he die for you, he's got blessings in store for you. Come today. Put your trust in Jesus Christ. Choose happiness. Choose heaven. And choose him. Maybe you haven't been reading the Bible like you used to. You don't have that joy in reading God's word. You're reading out of duty or maybe you're just distracted and you're not giving in and spending time in the, with the word. Spending time with the Lord. Come to the altar. Get it right. I'm telling you, that will help you. And let me just say this. You can surrender in your seats. You can ask for forgiveness in your seats. But there are very few times, very few Big moments in my life that I remember surrendering or asking for forgiveness in my seat. The times that I remember and the times that made an impact in my life is when I humbled myself and came to an old-fashioned altar like this. There's something about it. Come to the old-fashioned altar today and get right with the Lord.